morning, everyone. Great, great to see you. Thank you um, for inviting me. I realise you didn't. Uh, Chris probably did. But uh, thank you for welcoming me uh, as well. If you're watching um, uh, online, just want to say uh, thank you for joining too. Um, uh, uh, my name's Steve. Um, I'm married to Sarah um, and I have three children, Sam, Alison, Rachel, all who are married. Uh, I got married and we had children when I was 14. Um, just if you're trying to work it out, how could that happen, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I've lived in Suffolk uh, all my life. I have been to Andover a number of times in that uh, my first wife, who uh, actually died back in um, 1999, she came from Andover. So I used to do the travel down to Andover fairly often. Uh, she went, is it Anna Valley? Is there a place called Anna Valley? Yeah, that's right. So that's where, um, that's where she lived. And my best friend moved down to Andover as well. And so I used to travel down. So uh, it seemed familiar road as I was coming today. So um, um, yeah, so thanks again for your welcome. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been on the receiving end of someone else's kindness where um, their generous gift has kind of been embarrassing to receive and you're kind of not sure how you're supposed to um, respond to it? Uh, it's happened to me uh, and if it's happened to you, uh, you will know the power of generosity. Let me give you just um, one example. In February uh, 2021, a mouse wrote off my car. It's true, it did. Uh, you know how sometimes you hit a deer? Well, I didn't hit a mouse, so no, it wasn't that. Um, uh, but uh, basically, um, on a February morning, uh, February evening, I mean, I'd been to see my mum and dad, uh, who live about two miles away. And as I was, um, I drove back, I parked the car in uh, our driveway, uh, and it was a really frosty evening. And uh, I got out of the car, um, uh, went into the house, uh, and the next morning I went to start the car and it wouldn't start. And so um, I tried to charge the battery, that didn't work, and after numerous attempts I had to get a garage to come out and to tow my car away in order to try and get it repaired. And when um, they opened up the bonnet, uh, they discovered that because of the coldness of the night and the warmth of the car engine having driven, a mouse had climbed up into the engine and it was obviously bored, so it just chewed on stuff. Uh, and it chewed all of the wires, which resulted in over a thousand pounds worth of damage to my car, which basically wrote my car off. So that was in the February. And uh, so, uh, fortunately, my wife's got, uh, well, she had a little rover um, at the time, and so we just shared the car for a little bit. Uh, and I, we were kind of saying, what are we going to do to be able to um, buy another car? Little did I know that someone that I work with had been talking to some folks in our congregation and to my family saying, Steve's without a car, how about giving uh, so that we can um, help him to buy another car? And so um, he presented me with this gift, which was ridiculous. I mean, the most expensive car I have ever bought is a maximum of £3,000. And then all of a sudden, this check came in. So I went to the garage looking at cars I never dreamed I would ever own. And so wandered around and I found the car that I wanted, but it was still a bit short. And so my mum-in-law said, if you like it, I'll make up the difference. And so I bought what is in the car park at the moment. It is a Ford Cougar and it is, it is, it's an automatic, it's sports, it is unbelievable. And I don't drive, I cruise. 
I do. I just cruise now. Uh, so, uh, but honestly, I was overwhelmed. It was embarrassing. And so I, I asked the person, I said, look, please, could you let me know who it is that is given? I don't want to know the amount, um, but just who's given so I can thank them. So I said, Sarah, my wife, would you mind taking a photograph of me um, standing at the car? And I made a little card to be able to uh, write my thank you notes uh, to everyone. My parents had given, and to my huge embarrassment, after I'd given them the card, I went back the next time, and it was in a frame on the mantelpiece in their house, much to my family and other people's uh, amusement. I was there yesterday. It's still in a frame. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But how generous of people. It was embarrassing to me, but, but their generosity, honestly, it was, it was beautiful. It was. And that's what generosity is. Generosity is beautiful. But why talk about generosity when there's a cost of living crisis going on, when money's tight, when fuel bills have have rocketed, where um, food bills have soared as well, where mortgage rates are going through the roof? And so the question I want just to think about today uh, is this one here. It's how can we live generously or generous lives when we don't have much to give. That's what we're going to be thinking about as we conclude this cost of living uh, series. Because generosity might seem crazy as a subject when money is short and we're struggling to end, uh, make ends meet. I mean, you know, to talk about financial freedom as you did um, two weeks ago and, and to be considering that, that's a great kind of theme to have during the cost of living. Working out how can I live with margin, fantastic. That, they're so practical, aren't they? And then you get an invited speaker to come in and to talk about generosity when you haven't got any money. I mean, there's a no-hope situation for me here, isn't it? The cost of living has hit everybody's wallet. Companies are going bust. Businesses are closing or are struggling. But the thing is, Despite that, we still know that generosity is beautiful. And and maybe you'd love to be generous. Maybe you're one of those people. Yeah, everything within you says, I want to be a generous person, but I can't at the moment. I mean, basically, who wants to have said um, uh, about them uh, that they're mean? You know, put your hands up if you'd like to be mean, just, just to be known as mean. I mean, imagine when it gets to Chris Porter's funeral, okay, many years from now. And, you know, people are doing tributes and they're saying, Chris Porter, he, he was an amazing uh, minister here at Andover Baptist Church. Pastorally, he walked alongside, but boy, was he tight. I mean, that, you just don't want that said at your funeral, do you? So, yeah. And maybe you are one of those people, but you just can't be generous yet. You know, when my income is just a little bit higher, then I think I'll be able to be generous. Or when my bank balance is stronger, or when I'm a little less in debt, or it might even be, you know, I've got the resources now, but things are so unstable that I just don't think I should risk it at the moment until things kind of settle down. And if you have ever thought those thoughts, then I just want you to know, so have I. And I get it. I really do. And so maybe today, maybe today, there is going to be something that is said that that might speak into our lives, that might stretch our faith or push us to think about money and generosity in a slightly different way so that we can experience something that Jesus said 
many years ago. He said this. He said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Or, as the message version says it, it says, you're far happier giving than getting. Now, actually, I think we all know that anyway, don't we? You know, to be able to give something to someone else is on the whole a lot easier than someone giving stuff to us because of that embarrassment. I don't know quite how I'm supposed to respond to it. And so generosity actually has little to do with how much we have. It's easy to think that wealth and generosity go hand in hand, but they don't. The wealthier you are, the more generous you are. Nope, that doesn't work. The truth is that wealthy people are not generous. Generous people are generous. In other words, it has nothing to do with how much we have, but it has everything to do with what we do with what we have. So I want to read to you some verses. Um, uh, they're found in a letter called Two Corinthians. A man called Paul, who's been traveling around, he set up, he's a church planter, he set up these churches in different places, and he set up a church in a, a place called Corinth. And then he writes to them, and he writes these letters, and two of them have been recorded for us. And Paul, he writes these words in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter he says, now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. So he's setting the context for what life is like for them. He says, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify how uh, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we'd hoped for, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. A little segment from this long letter that Paul had written. So in other words, the Macedonian people were hitting a time of crisis. It was a time of financial crisis. It was the cost of living crisis in their day. And yet Paul uses them as an example for what it means to live generously. You see, how could people who were poor, who had so little, end up giving so much, surprising Paul? Well, it wasn't about the amount, but it was everything to do with their mindset. Everything to do with their mindset. Often we have mindsets that limit us, you know, I can't do this or I shouldn't do that. And, and those mindsets pull us back from taking steps forward and taking steps um, of, of courage. But the church in Macedonia were actually begging Paul to be able to give. Chris often says when I ring him up and we have those causes, oh, I have people in my congregation, they just beg me to give more. They do, they, they, you know, they talk in the church and they say, oh, please, Chris. Let... But that's what these people were doing for Paul. Often our mindset can limit us, and this is what's really important to be aware of. We have a not enough mindset. I don't have enough I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough resources to be generous. But what I've discovered is really interesting is with regards to this mindset idea, did you know that there are people who are on benefits who think that they don't have enough? 
And there are people who earn the minimum wage who think they don't have enough to be generous. There are people on 30K who think that they don't have enough to be generous. And ridiculously, there are people on 100K who feel like they don't have enough. Why? Because not enough is not an amount. It's a mindset. It really is. Not enough is not an amount. It's a mindset. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I honestly believe that we have a God who just loves to provide more than we ever need in order to be able to bless other people. And so therefore, we need to adjust our mindsets to ask God to help us to have a mindset shift. And it's going to come up here from not enough to more than enough. Let me give you uh, an example of that. Remember, back in the 1990s, uh, Sarah, my first wife, and I sat down early on in our uh, years of marriage. Neither of us had been particularly generous uh, with regards to uh, the money that we had. Uh, and part of that was because we didn't have very much money when we first started. Um, I worked part-time for the church that we had um, started, that's now called The Forge. I had two days a week with them, so I knew I had two days of money. Uh, and then the rest was going out and speaking at other churches. And speaking at other churches is an interesting experience when it comes to giving. Because often there is a treasurer, and the treasurer has this amazing handshake and what he does is he puts whatever gift that they want into their palm of their hand, but you wouldn't know. And then he puts his hand out and he slides it onto yours. And you're not allowed to look until you get into the car to see what it is that's been slid into your hand. And so um, uh, I remember going to one church and they went through that usual routine and I got into the car and I quickly had a look to see what it was. And it was a £10 book token and £5 for travel. And so I thought, well, I'm going to live on that well, aren't I? So um, I'd gone with a friend. So we wasted the five pounds on a drink going home. And uh, I don't know whether I ever spent the 10 pounds uh, book token. But other churches were much, much uh, more generous. And I remember um, having to speak on this little thing called tithing. It was, I had never experienced it in all of my church upbringing. It had never been spoken about. So I decided I'm going to have to uh, do some research and to understand what this giving of 10% is, is all about. And as I did some reading and some studies, um, both Sarah and I felt really strongly that God was saying that's what we ought to do, that we ought to start giving 10%. And so we struggled over this a little bit because obviously that, we, that would make us poorer and we were already really stretched um, financially. But we made the decision that if that's what God wanted us to do, then we were going to step out. A gross of, um, of our income, 10% of that was going to be um, given into the life of the church. And do you know what? When we did that, we discovered something about God. He is rubbish at maths. He is. He is. Because I thought if we give 10% away, we will be 10% poorer. And we weren't. And honestly, we could not get our heads around it. We would go back over our bank statements and think, but this is ridiculous because all of a sudden, in other ways, God seemed to make up for the fact that we had given 10%. And it was, it was just weird. And so ever since then, uh, and so Sarah, my wife now, and she and I have just carried on uh, that principle to be as generous as we can. And I am the one who will still say, oh, I'm not so sure, I'm not so sure. And, and Sarah will just remind me, well, God's done it in the past. Why would he stop now? 
So let me just say to you, try it. I dare you. Change your thinking from, I don't have enough, to actually, I have more than enough. And enjoy being generous. Honestly, it is so lovely. It is so rewarding. Discover for yourself that God's maths is better than yours. Honestly, it really is. So give a percentage. Give, you could choose 10%. If that, if that feels too big for you, choose 5%. If that feels too big for you, choose 2%. But, but go for a percentage as an acknowledgement that we don't live with a not enough mindset, but we live with a more than enough mindset. Now, that's true for me personally, but that's also true for our church that um, I lead called The Forge. You know, over the last five years, we've struggled at various times financially. And so the question raises every single time about how much money we should then give away. (laughs) Uh, Should we cut back on our external giving to our mission partnership? Should we cut back on how much we give in our hardship fund to the community? Uh, Normally, that's about 14 to 17% of our income. And it's always a temptation, and I'm really glad we haven't given in to that temptation yet. Because as a church, we have to live with a more than enough mindset. And again, what we've discovered is that over the past couple of years, as grant money has become available... Uh, through various charities. They've looked to say, how can we get that money to families in need? How how can we identify that? And they recognize that the Forge have contacts with so many families. And so they give us money to pass away, to pass on to others. It is extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. So God, God provides to meet our needs and to meet the needs of others through us. And when you give, if you choose to give to God, you don't lose anything. You gain something. You gain the the opportunity to participate in what God is doing. Now, I think the second thing which I want us to, uh, to think about is this. We give away, as a church, we give away a certain percentage of our income. And we have a lady called Becky Warnock who um, oversees all of our local and global community. And so she's the one who, in a sense, pays out the church's money to families and to organizations. And it's really easy for her to be generous and to give that money away. Shall I tell you why? It's because it's not her money. So it is. It's really, really easy. Look. Just out of interest, how many people here love, and I don't just mean quite like, I mean really love cream eggs? Okay, oh, look at that. Okay, so, so there, was a, there was a rapid response there. So look, I've got two eggs here, okay? So you said you like them. What's your name, please? Tracy. Tracy, Tracy would you mind just, uh, just coming and, and uh, taking those? So one of these is yours, okay? And one of them you can give away to anyone that you want. All right, so one of those is yours and one of them to give away. So who are you going to give it away to? Anybody else mad about Chris? Excellent. Anyone else mad about Chris? See, that is good. Who has a need, in other words? There we go. Look, she is good, isn't she? Right, okay. Excellent. You like like your cream egg? Yeah, okay. Can you give that one away now, please? (laughs) You see, the, the sigh immediately 
gives it away, doesn't it? It immediately gives it away. That it's so much easier when it's someone else's to be able to give away. And you've got to give yours away. It is so much harder. And do you know what? It is exactly the same with money too. It is easier to give away someone else's money than to give away our own. But listen, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you, you will already know that what we have is as a result of a kind and a generous God who has shown his kindness to us. And that actually everything that we have comes from God. And, and our role is to be stewards of what belongs to God. And that is another big mindset shift. About 2,000 years before Jesus came, David, um, if you're not used to church, almost certainly you would have still heard of David and Goliath, you know, that kind of, um, that's big Sunday school story. Well, David, um, he didn't just stay a lad who killed giants, he, he went on to become king. And he was, at one time, he was wanting to prepare um, an ev- or a big project for his son, Solomon. David knew that he couldn't build the temple in Jerusalem as he'd really wanted to. Uh, For some reason, God God had said, David, that's not for you to do, but your son can. And so he then calls the people in the land of Israel to give towards a temple, the building of a temple for when his son becomes king. This is um, how it's recorded, uh, because people were incredibly generous. And David recognizes something that we need to understand too. This is what he says. This is what King David says to God. He says, but who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. Now, when we gain that perspective in understanding that all we have is actually God's resources, not ours, then it makes it so much easier to be able to live and give generously. It just does. Why? Because it's always easier to be able to give away someone else's money, isn't it? We're just stewards of what God has given to us. And so the second mindset shift needs to go from these are my resources to these are God's resources. And when we do this, it unlocks something within us. We start to view things differently because it helps us to look for ways to bless people. In asking God, how might you want me to use these resources? And what it is, is that we're recognizing that God has been generous to us, and therefore he wants to use us to be generous to other people. We're the managers. So, mindset one. From not enough to more than enough. Mindset two. From my resources to God's resources. And thirdly, the third mindset shift that I think we need is from, I'll give when until or two, I'll give now. If we go back to the reading in 2 Corinthians, when Paul wrote about the Macedonian people giving so generously, he goes on to speak to this church and he says this, now you should finish what you've started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. 
You see, a year earlier, Paul had been uh, contacting them, and he'd been saying that the people in Jerusalem are starving. It, the situation is at such crisis point. And the Corinthian church, the Corinthian people said, yeah, we want to give, we want to give. So Paul says, well, look, give a percentage every week. Don't wait until I arrive to pick up the money. No, give it every week so it can be saved so that I can then take it to the people. And guess what? They hadn't quite got around to it. And so Paul writes to them again and says, remember what you said? Come on, it's time to start now. Listen, if you want to experience the joy, the overflowing joy of living a generous life, like the Macedonian church did, you can't have the intention of giving. You can't have a plan to give or a thought that one day you'll give. Because that doesn't work. We need to step into it and start giving now. There will always be a reason not to, but honestly, Nike is right. Just do it. That's they are. Start now. It is, and, and listen, it is never too early. It is never too early to begin, and it's never too late to start. We'll never have too much or not enough to start being generous. God doesn't just want us to have eternal life. He wants us to have abundant life. And abundant life means living a generous life. And over, this, over the years, this church, I know, has been so blessed by lots of people giving generously into the life of the church. And if that's you, if you're already doing that, if you're already setting aside money every week or month or whatever to support the work of the church here, honestly, well done. That's so good. Chris and the leaders here have been able to do what happens because of that generosity. But I would say this, imagine if we all decided to be generous, that we shifted our mindset from not enough to more than enough. We shifted it from not my resources, but God's resources. And we moved from I'll give when to actually no, I will give now. Imagine the families around Andover that you could support and help the individuals that you could look out for, the projects that you could start as a church, the kids that you could sponsor through compassion. Honestly, it would be extraordinary. But it requires a mindset shift. Look, for those of you who maybe are on the sidelines or perhaps you're relatively new um, to, the, to the life of the church here, you, know, you, you might want to be generous, but you haven't quite had the courage to express that generosity. I want to encourage you to push through those mindsets that limit you and realize that we have a God who has enough to meet all of your needs and to meet the needs of others through you. So my challenge at the end of this is this. What's stopping you from being generous, to being the generous person that you'd love to be? Is it fear? Well, God says, trust me. If it's, I don't have enough, well, not enough isn't an amount, it's a mindset. So be generous out of what you do have. And if you feel that it's a poor time to start giving during the cost of living crisis, can I just say there will never be a good time to start. There just won't. So just start now. And then, oh, it's great. And then you can discover the truth of the words of Jesus when he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Or, as I mentioned earlier, 
you're far happier giving than getting. So let me challenge you and ask you, what's going to be your next step off the back of this? Can I ask that we stand together because the band are going to lead us in a song, but I want to pray for us um, uh, too. And just in case any of you are skeptical and thinking, Chris, Piper, uh, Chris Porter, I mean, has, has really set Steve up here. So he said, I can't ask for money. So can you do all them asking for money for me? He hasn't done that yet. Um, but, uh, but honestly, God wants to create a generosity in you as a church, but also in you as individuals as well. And he can do extraordinary things through us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are so incredibly generous, that Lord, all of us will be able to look back at times where you have worked through other people or situations, and we've experienced so much more than we've deserved, and we've experienced the beauty of generosity. Thank you for that. And Lord, thank you that that sets a model for us in how we can live, that God, you call us to change this mindset from not enough to having more than enough. God, you have given us more than enough to be generous. From being my resources to actually, Lord, recognizing that they're your resources and we're just managers. And, and from putting off giving until the situation feels a bit better to actually deciding, no, now is the time to be generous. Lord, would you stir these things in our hearts? Lord, if I've said anything which is inappropriate or, or pressure or anything like that, Lord, would that just, just um, fade away really quickly? But if there's anything, God, that, that's been said today that speaks into our hearts from your voice, then Lord, would you help us to act on it so that we might live abundant lives, so that we can know the truth that it is far better to give than to receive. Help us to act on what you say today. In Jesus' name, amen.